Sharon, the season of Christmas and giving is upon us again. Yes, it is, and it keeps coming around quicker and quicker. It certainly does, and during this giving season, you and I and our listeners have an opportunity to give two ways at once. As many of you know, Sharon and I support the ANA Foundation, and I currently serve on their board. The Foundation is a charitable organization devoted to anesthesia research, education, and development. All of which are very important to our profession. That's exactly right, Sharon, and it's the very reason to donate. However, we wanted to let you know that you can give to the Foundation during this season in someone's honor as a tribute, or if you've lost a loved one, a donation in their memory. The Foundation will send a card to the family letting them know that you've done this. What a lovely way to memorialize someone. You know, I will be donating in memory of my precious granddaughter, Emma Kate Breck, and that we lost this year. Also, as we're taping this, we found out we lost an icon to this profession. Patrick Downey, a former AANA president. Another way to memorialize him is to donate to the foundation. Yes, Sharon, and I really hate we didn't get an opportunity to have Patrick on the podcast. That was always our plan. It's just so sad. If you'd like to donate, just go to the ANA Foundation within the AANA website under Ways to Give and Donate in Tribute or in Memory and Help Your Profession. Thanks so much, and Merry Christmas from myself and Jeremy. Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. All right, Sharon, welcome back. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the Beyond the Mask podcast. (laughs) With? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, You know what? I don't think we've ever done a whole lot about how we got our the name of our podcast and how fortuitous it was, and we didn't even know it. But thanks to Deb Flaherty. That's right. Um, Shout out to Deb. Yeah. 
yeah. for coming up with our name. That's right. Several years ago, years ago at a meeting in Charlotte, you mm-hmm. know, we're kicking yeah. this around yeah. and you never know what happens, right? There you go. Here we are, 147 episodes Something later. Something like that, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, so. <laughs> after this weekend, we'll have 12 more. Or, or maybe even like, more, knowing yeah, you. Okay. I was really worried to come back up here because I was like, Sharon's going to talk to three people. And I know. We're going to have like eight more to do tomorrow. <laughs> and then Sunday morning, we're going to do five. Yeah, so, well, um, we've got to get the okay. content. We'll get it done. Yeah. I want to get us through the end of the year. Yeah, so true that. Goal. Well, we have another amazing guest with us today. I know. She just drove in Yeah. Early. She is everywhere. I don't, I don't know how true. in the world you keep up with stuff. Lord have mercy. But Angela Munn, welcome. Thank you. It is so great to see both of you in person. I <laughs> phone or? Yeah, it, yeah. You know, the last time I did one of your podcasts, we did it over the phone. Uh-huh. And this is just so much more fun. Oh, no. And I'm so grateful to be here with you and to uh, congratulate Dr. Pierce oh, on, yeah. her, on her doctoral see degree. I love Got it. Yale Yale bling Yale going on. Yeah, the well, matchbook mm-hmm. yep. We know Dr. Yeah. Pierce is the queen of bling. So now as I'm looking <laughs> at her, not only does she have the CRNA bling, now she has a DNP one. So. Yeah. That's right. That's Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I well, lived. <laughs> you did live. <laughs> there was times I wasn't sure you were yeah, going to make it, but you, you pulled it out. So. Me either. Well, Angie, we're going to be talking today about, well, one thing is nurse anesthesia academic leadership, but the other thing is congratulations mm-hmm. are in order for you. Your new position. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that today, too. But let's kind of start with, I know most people know you or should know you, but give a little bit about your background and kind of where you are now and what's going on. Yeah, so I've been a CRNA since 1998. I'm an old-fashioned CRNA. I went to a hospital-based certificate program, which I think lends itself a little bit to how I got all the way up into academic leadership, coming Mm. really from a background of a certificate. I didn't have a degree in in nurse anesthesia for a long time. And I was fortunate to have some really good mentors, both in Minnesota and now in the Southeast where I live, that really told me you have good leadership abilities. And I Mm -hmm. think that you should do those things. (laughs) And I started out in VA leadership. I was a, I'm a past president of the Association of VA Nurse Anesthetists. And Veterans Affairs really is where my, my passion lies when I, when I talk about healthcare policy. And the other place that's my passion is education of nurse anesthesia students. And I can thank Kathy Fagerland from Minnesota, Mm -hmm. who was the first person to hire me into an academic leadership position at the University of Minnesota. And that just really took off. I've moved up through assistant program director to program director at the Medical University of South Carolina. And just on July 1st, I became a department chair. And a little bit about what that means, if if you guys don't mind, if I just kind of segue into that. Because there's not not many of you. There's not. And and that's really what made me think about what a great topic this would be for a podcast is it's important for CRNAs to start thinking now about how do you position yourself to move up into academic leadership. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's heard me talk, I talk about we've got to have CRNAs in the C-suite in hospitals. And I like to make this as an analogy. This is C-suite in the academic setting. And it's that same kind of thing is you can't have power or engagement until you have a seat at the table. (laughs) <laughs> which is Go ahead and say it, Sharon. Yeah. I mean, no one's sitting next That's to That's it. Go ahead and You're, say it. If, if you are not at the table, you're, you're on, on the menu. menu. If I haven't heard that 100,000 uh, times, I've right. heard it 200. So. <laughs> and it, it's the same way in academics. <clears throat> it really is. And on July 1st, I became a department chair. And what Jeremy said, and, and Sharon and I were talking about it too, is there's not a lot of CRNAs that mm-hmm. have been in those positions. I think it's a lot like 
the best kept secret. Remember when we all had that out there and we thought oh, it was yeah. such a great tagline <laughs> and now we look at it and go, that's not something to be proud of. Yeah. 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 So Why are I, we advertising that? Yeah. And I think we're doing, I think we're doing a lot better with that, but we used to, you know, I, I liken it to, we can't just sit in the OR and squeeze the bag. Right. And it's the same thing in academics. We can't just sit in the classroom and teach our students. We have got to be visible, not only in our colleges, but in the university and above. So that if the president of the university wants to know what's going on in anesthesia, they're going to reach out to a nurse anesthetist because you're engaged. Can we say anesthetist anymore? Do we say anesthesiologist? Yeah, I don't want to get you started on this. So, no, you know, I just no. we're we're, pa- we're passing on that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, it, it, I have to you have to spice it up a little bit. Yes, so, you, know. you do. Yes, you do. Um, so, what I'm hearing is that CRNA academic leaders have a broader impact as they move just outside the anesthesia programs. Now, how many programs are you over now in your new role? I'm over five now, and we will probably have two more coming on in the next couple of years. So tell me the programs that you're over, because, you know, I'm good friends with John McFadden. John McFadden's over 13 programs, so and it's really interesting to hear the different divisions he's over at Barry University. So tell yours. So I am the chair of the Department of Clinical Sciences, and all of the divisions within our department, and that's what all the programs are called, and there's degrees within each of the divisions is it's all of the people that have an impact in the clinical setting or people where the faculty of clinical practices. So I'm over the PA program, which is quite large. We have 100 students a year-ish, and uh, it's a two-and-a-half-year master's program. We have I'm over cardiovascular perfusion, mm-hmm. which to me has been probably one of the best interprofessional engagements we've had, mm-hmm. is we do some really great simulation and crisis in the OR with our students and with perfusionists. We have a bachelor's program that's a pipeline program primarily to bring in underrepresented minorities into our graduate programs, the nurse anesthesia program, obviously, a genetic counseling program, and then two more that are in the works to come in. Wow. So what does that mean when you're over the program? What does it really mean? So I always think about it as it's moving from nurse anesthesia and understanding the budget and the teaching and the mentorship that goes into that. And now I am in charge of, I hate the word in charge of, I work with Mm -hmm. the faculty and all of those other programs. So I help them with mentorship. We're doing some stuff with our own North Carolina, Donna Godfrey, who I think is amazing. I love Donna Godfrey. I've got a conference call with her next week, actually. (laughs) So I'm bringing in the HBDI to all the leaders in our divisions to help us work together as teams. So team building, mentorship. I am responsible for the budget of the whole department. We have, and one of the things that I think that we need to talk about at some point about how do we get nurse nurse anesthesia faculty better at this, is in charge of the fiduciary part of it. So we have a responsibility-centered management financial. So all of the money that comes in is pushed all the way down to the program so that the program directors and the department chairs are responsible for so they all of the money. Yeah, gotcha. So um, finance, mentoring, business, academics, accreditation, student engagement, recruitment. So really just about anything that you can think of now well, is all under my purview. It would seem that there's a huge learning curve with all of the different divisions and trying to learn their culture and all of <clears> that. I could be wrong. Help me out here. 
You're not wrong. Of course, you're not wrong. <laughs> See, she's been learning from you, Jeremy. <laughs> we all tell you what you want to hear, Sharon. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I think it's important to position yourself early on. So I knew I wanted to move up in academics just like I wanted to move up in leadership. And you start finding opportunities. And you find opportunities when you want to be a department chair to engage with the faculty before you get that, to that position. Okay. So I've done work with all of the programs before I got there. So, gotcha. and you're that ma- so smart. I'm a planner. You are so smart. <laughs> oh, that's smart. I'm a typical CRNA. I got a plan yeah. for the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this way, I'm planning for the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is uh, you know doing some work that they were looking for someone in the PA program to teach their students how to do LPs in the ER. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on down. I'd love to show you how to do mm. it. So they found out that CRNAs do spinals and they can do LPs. And in a lot of rural places, that's who does them in the ER anyway. So I think that helped a lot to engage with their faculty and their students. Did the same thing then with perfusion. We did crisis simulation. I've done some mentoring with the faculty in the bachelor's program. Talked to them about the underrepresented minority pipeline that I'm doing with Dr. Mm -hmm. Sonia Moore up at Case Western that I think is brilliant. And then got started early on with the genetic counseling people. So... Setting that foundation before you move into a leadership role, I think, makes the mm-hmm. climb not so steep. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that is really important to think about is how can you leverage the things that you're enjoying in your professional life? For example, is I use what I've learned in the ANA over 22 years-ish of being involved, of understanding mm-hmm. the ANA budget while I'm on the board, being able to speak the language of finance. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Right. Understanding that you have to have leadership development. So really bringing all of those pieces together to set the foundation before you step in. Otherwise, I think it it could be a steep climb. So anybody out there who's interested, start thinking about it now. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you had a plan to want to do this, right? So how did this all come about? I mean, you're building this plan. How did you get this role? I mean, talk a little bit about that. To put it quite frankly, I have a good understanding of budget and am able to speak the language. And Mm -hmm. to me... What is it my dean says? No margin, no mission. Understanding really the budget part of it. <laughs> wow. And then, and then yeah. you recognized in higher leadership that you, you, you understand that in order to get something done, you need to understand the finance. So that helped. What made it serendipitous at the time is I was thinking this was somewhere after I was done being ANA president. Right. And really concentrate on the ANA first. But we had a very big department, and our dean split the department in two. So the department that I am chair over is a brand new department, oh, okay. which I think ah, is so fun. Yeah. You can make it yeah. what you want it to be. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and I've got some startup funding because when I took the job, I said, these are the things that I think are important for us to create this department. And some of it is bringing in people like Donna Godfrey to do visioning and strategic planning and leadership. And I have now, you know, the budget to do that, which I think is really fun. So I applied for it. And, you know, anybody who's been in an academic search, it's an interesting process. Mm. Two days of interviews and all of the application part and meeting with everybody. And I was offered the position when March, March, April, and then transitioned into it January 1st. Or I'm sorry, July July 1st. 1st. July 1st. So. Did I answer your question, Jeremy? I kind of went off on a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, you just kind of talked about the path there. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. And I'm I'm just kind of thinking through because what I always hear Sharon say is the NPs don't know what the CRNAs do. You know, a lot of nurses don't know what CRNAs do, you know. And I'm, I'm listening to all the departments you're over. So, 
you're in a position now mm-hmm. to tell everyone what CRNAs do, and then how can you all work together to move things forward? And is that the goal? And I think it's bigger than, so I'm in a college of health professions, so we don't have nurses in it. We have a college of nursing. One of the things to think about, and and I'd love to say this, and we'll see, it's probably going to be, we'll see what they say about it, right, (laughs) is uh, now I'm a department chair. The head of anesthesiologist is a department chair. Hmm. Oh, so you're... Oh, we are equal footing. We are an equal footing academically. Gotcha. Nice. So we'll be invited to those same kind of things and the same as the department oh. chairs of so the DMP it's program. putting you at more tables. It's, oh, my God. Yeah. So you've really? gone from being on the menu to sitting at the table is what you're telling me. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, what I think is the really fun part about it is is being able – you don't even have to push an agenda. All you have to do sometimes is just tell people who – who is in your department and what they do. Right. So it gives me the opportunity to not only talk about nurse anesthesia, that's my passion, but now I can talk about PAs. And, and right. we take a look at, because Jeremy mentioned nurse anesthesiologist, and the PAs have changed their title. Right. They're what not physician assistants anymore. They wanna, they're going to be physician, physician associates. associates. Yeah. So that part, I think, is really exciting that as we have conversations with our hospital systems that due to COVID are having financial challenges, now I've got two advanced practice groups in my department that we can have a conversation about this is what we bring mm-hmm. to the financial health and, and right. access to care and all of that. Right. And the, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned the nurse practitioner stuff too, is this always kind of cracks me up. So we have some faculty in our PA program who have family members who are NPs mm-hmm. and they see my, my badge and it says DNP CRNA. And they're like, so you're a nurse practitioner. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> what do they think the D is for? Doctor, uh, doctor, nurse, doctor, nurse practitioner. Oh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, I didn't either until you just said that. I oh. correct it all the time at our university. Wow. Even the nurse practitioners think that it means I'm a nurse practitioner. Wow. So I've done some education in our college of nursing about hmm. it. Really, I wow. can be a CRNA with a DNP. There's a lot of us. There, yeah. there are. You know, Jackie went back and got hers, and I know a lot of people in pain practice have because you may not have prescriptive authority, but you can as an MP. So a lot of people have done that, and I know they <coughs> were Jerry talking. Uh, Jerry is a nurse practitioner, yeah. a psych nurse practitioner. Mike but, McKinnon is another one of those yes, as a nurse practitioner. Yes. You know what's interesting? Remember when we interviewed Sophie, the president of the nurse practitioners? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, you know, they have two credentialing bodies. And, of course, that's of a lot of interest to me mm-hmm. since I went through all of those things as president. So I asked Sophie, so which one are you credentialed by? And she says, well, high-performing nurse practitioners are credentialed by both. And are CRNAs not Mm -hmm. anything but high performers? That's why, you know, this is my platform. This is my podcast, I can say. (laughs) I I believe that our profession is truly great because we have one certifying body, one credentialing body, and one professional organization. We are united on all three Mm -hmm. fronts, and I think that's why we're so strong. So, anyway, I digress. But, yeah. It's been a good opportunity to get around a little bit to other yeah. places. Yeah, it, it really so, has. The visibility is fantastic as long as we just keep getting out off that stool, as Sandy mm-hmm. used to say. Yeah, get off that stool when you can. So it seems like there's a lot of cool things, but what's the f- most favorite thing about this role? You think 
And it's kind of new, I know. So you're honeymooning maybe a little. (laughs) You know, I probably am because they started the department the year before I came on and had an interim for a year. So we really were kind of in a nebulous holding Mm -hmm. place. And I think the most exciting thing about it, I love change. I'm a big change person. Mm -hmm. If everything changes, I am right on board with it. So one of the fun things we're doing is we're adding all of these new divisions. So I get to be a part of um, doing the business perspectives and, and how do we pick? Mm. You know, how do we pick? What's the next profession that'll fit well in our department? What kind of research synergy can we have? How can we share resources? Mm-hmm. So thinking about that I can be shaping this department yeah. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is that is probably the number one thing I like the best. The second one is I really like doing mentoring. And I meet with the division directors that are in my department once a month. And we talk about what do you need? And we're going to do some investment in their growth. And, and seeing people grow into those roles as faculty reminds me a lot as an early academic. When you take a look at students growing into their roles as a CRNA, really similar to that other than it's just on a bigger stage, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely, there's so much professional enjoyment in that. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. And what's been some of the challenges? I know you're new to this, but so far, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've seen? She's honeymooning. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is wonderful right now. (laughs) You know, I think the biggest challenge really is understanding accreditation across all of these bodies because they are all over the place. Yeah, Mm. that's true. So really in a very busy world and a very busy time, having the time for the opportunity Mm -hmm. to really learn about each of the divisions and what their profession means and how I can help them as a leader to grow that. I think that's probably the biggest thing is just the the time to get the opportunity to know as much as what I think I need to know as a leader. Well, you know, the other thing I sit here and think about is the role that you're in. I mean, it, there's a lot to it, obviously. And they had to have known that you're getting ready to be a and a president. And I'm assuming they're going to work with you through that. And um, you're from be a time constraint, a you're going to be gone. And you Unless know, COVID continues, <laughs> which let's, we let's hope, hope not. Um, but, you, you know, how is that going to work with Angie on the road so many days and, you know, kind of walk through that process as well? You know, I think it's a combination of some of the things that you talked about. One of the things that we've learned in a COVID world is that you don't have to be sitting at a desk yes. to do your job. Very true. And I take a look at, I worked from home other than my clinical day for a year. Yep. And they know that I can get my administrative work done as a as a division director, and I'll be able to translate that in. I think that's ah, one thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's one. The other thing that is really important is I'm at a college that thinks that being out there and being visible is important. So my oh, dean, my dean just got elected to the board of the PT organization. Hmm. So he believes in it. Gotcha. And 
and it leads me, I might squirrel a little bit away on this, but I think an important thing to think about is find a place to work as a leader that respects your degree, respects what your needs are in your profession. Because if you can't make that match, it, it really makes it impossible. Yeah. And I'm like, my provost is a physical therapist who was very engaged in her professional organization. Mm-hmm. So we it's ha- nice to see people get rewarded for being in a leadership position within our organization because mm-hmm. you know a lot of us it's not been like that <laughs> that's exactly right and I think what it does is it it allows you the opportunity to bring visibility to your programs number one mm-hmm. right and when we're looking right. for recruiting the best of the best when you have a CRNA there that is in a leadership position you know that's going to bring it in sure it also puts a big target on your back very yeah. clearly that's what I was thinking yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think about Jim Walker yeah, you know, and some of the difficulties that he had. So what do you think has been very helpful for you in prior experiences before you've gone into this, this particular role, as well as what do you think as a CRNA and how you see the world will help you going forward? Okay, so first part of it, past experiences? Yeah. Okay, I, you know, I look at I've had really good mentors, and I've had a lot of them that when I walked in and we started recording here, uh, Sandy Olette was mm-hmm. here, which I think she is seriously amazing, yep. mm-hmm. as she's been a program director and leader and international leader, that when you look at how people handle themselves, and I'd even reached out to Sandy probably a year ago, and I said, how did you deal with difficult conversations on your board? And I think I'm a pretty open person with that. And to me, that's the number one thing you have to do is reach mm-hmm. out to people and say, how did you how did you deal with this? Right. And having the ability over my engagement in the ANA to be able to reach out to somebody somewhere who has dealt with all those issues, that has served me incredibly mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. that I can pick up a phone you know, and make a call and see what somebody else did so I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. And, you know, I kept my phone lines hot calling people. Linda Williams was an incredible asset for me. Plus, she was a lawyer, too, in addition to being a CRNA. Not that I needed a lawyer for anything. But. I don't know. You. <laughs> <laughs> um. so I, I, you know, I think that that's something that helps. Being in the military, one of the things you learn, too, is you learn about the value of teams mm-hmm. and the value yeah. of teams of people that report to you and people that are above you. And you respect the people for the job they do and not necessarily the title they have. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I learned in the military that you make friends with the motor pool and, absolutely. Uh-huh. and with the people that feed you. Absolutely. You will always have a vehicle, even though I'm five feet tall and they'd let me drive a five ton, which I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but your feet reach the pedals. <laughs> but, but all you could see is my hat with my rank showing. I mean, I could barely see over the dash. But the motor pool uh, loved me because I was respectful and nice and, sure. and, rec- and recognized that. and. I've learned that over the years, and that's one of the things that I think helped me get this job because the staff and everybody in our college get to have a say in who gets hired. Yeah. So uh-huh. having those relationships and understanding that I think is really important. Yeah, and a great work ethic. I mean, you've, yeah. you've got an amazing work ethic. I mean, Yeah, you know, it's so fun that you said that, and I can't believe that I've never mentioned it in the past, the role that my parents have played in that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in rural northern Minnesota. I had a graduating class of 25 my mother didn't go to college till I was in fifth grade, and she went and, and huh. lived away from us during the week, and she'd come home on the weekends. Wow. So and my dad grew hard. up in a dairy farm. Yeah. So I love that you said that, that you mentioned that, Jeremy, and I'm so remiss not mentioning the role that my parents played in that work ethic piece. Yeah. And the value of education that I was really brought mm-hmm. up is you will go to school. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 
Yeah. That's, Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I notice it. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you, you've you, got it. You've got I mean, most of the CRNAs that I see that, you know, have kind of risen up through the ranks and are doing a lot on the ANA board and doing a lot in their local boards, and then they're achieving levels that haven't been achieved in the CRNA community, you have a, a very, very strong work ethic. And, I mean, on top of the typical CRNA personality being type <laughs> a and you know or should i say laid back you know, never mm-hmm. argumentative sure. never say what's on your mind that's called but, assertive but, yes. i understand yes <laughs> <laughs> remember i'm married to one of you <laughs> she's not quite as assertive no but, she's you know, a little she probably she can't doesn't be, uh, she can be, well though. that's only um, when she comes down and unchange you in, from uh, the basement. i don't know I, I'll, I'll tell you a story about this one doc that she told me about the other day oh, but it'll be all oh, okay um but anyway, but no, I mean, and I, I see that and respect that. And, you know, you guys do a wonderful job. And for CRNAs out there that are thinking, well, maybe this is the way I want to go. Because I heard you two talking earlier. I mean, it's you, Mike Riker, and I think you might have mentioned one uh, other person. Uh, who uh, John achieved. McFadden. John McFadden. Scott, Scott Foster. Foster. Scott Foster. And oh, Sean Collins. Sean Collins. Sean, and then right. what? Did Sandy said Linda it wasn't Linda Callahan, was it? I there mean, there's just a handful. More. I mean, you there know, were, maybe under seven CRNAs. So, you know, for, for other CRNAs out there that I know are sitting out there that are as driven as you both are, and they're thinking, how do I do this? You know, what what should I do to get to that next level? What advice would you give them? Start early. Start planning. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, when I, you say planning, can it walk us through that? Because you, you did a little bit in the beginning, but... You know, what, what does that plan look like? Well, I'll put it out there because most people, I think a lot of people know me. I can remember when I graduated from anesthesia school, I looked at my program director and I said, I want your job. Hmm. Okay. I was out of school like a day. Wow. Right? And and that was, that was my goal. So mm-hmm. you start positioning yourself gotcha. both in learning how to do things, being engaged, volunteering. Mm-hmm. That first time you want to get involved, you volunteer to teach a lecture at a program. That's right. Yeah. Unpaid time. Unpaid time. It shows interest in you because you're getting a free education on how to right. do it. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to get your doctorate. I mean, and even if you don't think the content is 100% of where you're going, I guarantee it is. And you might not even know. Right. And Sharon can speak to a lot of that. So plan ahead. I think the other thing is finding a good mentor. Mentors is probably the way yes. to say it. Yep. People that you can make a phone call and anytime, anytime mm-hmm. and be blunt about it Yeah, and be blunt and say, this is what's going on. It's making me crazy. Or I responded to this situation and I don't like how I did it. What can I do better? People that will bluntly say, yeah, that you really screwed up on yeah. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things when I do a leadership talk, I talk about everybody in a leadership position should have a loving critic. Mm-hmm. And that's the person mm-hmm. who, you know, when they're telling you, things in kick you right in the butt oh yeah but they're doing it because they want you to be be successful right right Right. so i have found a few of those over my years and that's hard to find because most people want to kick you in the butt to rip you down yeah that's true and that's a difference that you know not somebody who's always berating you it's somebody who's telling you the things that you need to do to improve yourself that's hard to find it yeah. is hard to find. Well, we serve that purpose for each other. Yeah, we do. Because yeah. I'll call Jeremy sometime. Um, yeah. Jeremy, tell me, am I off base with this? Yeah. And, I mean, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he does the same thing. Yeah. So, But it, but it is hard to find. I, I'm sorry to interrupt there. but. Yeah, and I think the last thing to do is 
you know, we're CRNAs are driven. I mean, we talk mm. about that all the time and, yep. and we expect our anesthetics to be perfect and we want perfection. And mm-hmm. we're so type A that sometimes people get a little bit afraid to step up that off that cliff because they're afraid that they might fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Listen, have to be willing to do that. You've got to be is, able to. It, it's a hard spot to be in. I mean, for me to go back to school, I'll tell you my first day back and I'm starting the health policy class and there was the class in front of me at Yale had two CRNAs in it and they walk in and they see me in there and they said are you teaching in this class (laughs) I said no actually I'm taking this class but now I've gone back to work in a hospital some and I haven't been in a hospital in 16 years the day before she went in I I talked to her she was scared to death to go and I was like I've never heard this in your voice before and I'm like if you tell anybody I'm gonna kill you so I'll stab you as soon as we're done here but I was Um, I I walk in and there's gas machines that I don't even know how to turn them on and it looks like the cockpit of an airplane but you're a quick learner you know how to do everything now and you're good oh yeah yeah. well you know I was I was absolutely fortunate that the place that I stepped into, they knew, they knew that I hadn't been in a hospital in a yeah. long time. I don't know how to do Epic. And the chief CRNA, Jackie Stevens, has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, I was up to speed like in two weeks. As soon as I learned how to chart, I'm like, I know how to give anesthesia. Now that I know how to turn on the <laughs> gas machine, I know how to give anesthesia. <laughs> and if the gas machine won't work, if you give me an Ambu bag, I'm used to having an H cylinder <laughs> and duct tape, and I bring my own cylinders in, I'm good. <laughs> but I just need to know how to do this chart. <laughs> but they've been absolutely amazing to me. They're integrating me. About two weeks, I was back yeah, up to speed. I figured but, you would be. Yeah, but yeah. I was scared, man. <laughs> I was thinking, I mean, I was surprised that you mentioned going back to school because when you talked about jumping off the cliff kind of stuff, I was thinking to, you know, you're running for elected office and CRNAs who do that, I am oh, yeah. in awe of. It's well. that same thing. Taking that, taking well, you're that putting leap of yourself faith. out there. Oh God! You know, and Sharon you? lost. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean that's the other thing. You know, she lost. He's just coming after me no, over here. No, <laughs> I mean, but it, it it just builds your character. Is I mean, that what it and is? And what you did. I mean, you were very graceful in that. I mean, I, you know, to watch it happen, you're not always going to win. No. But sometimes you win by learning how to lose. True. You know, and that's part of life. And to your point, you hit the nail on the head. CRNAs want to be the best all the time at everything. I want to give the best anesthetic. I want to be the best at everything Mm -hmm. I do. And they are. And and yes, they are. But you can't be the best at everything everywhere. Yeah. And when you when you keep yourself in this bubble that I'm going to stay in the confines of where I'm the best, Mm -hmm. you miss out on a lot. And Angie, that's what I kind of yes. hearing you say. I mean, you got to put yourself out there and take that risk, and you're going to fail. But it's what you learn from that failure that gets you to, to be a next, department chair. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's interesting, too, because I had people even ask me, you know, are you sure that you want to put yourself out there where you work? What if you don't get it? Mm-hmm. Now, everybody knows you applied. Everybody saw your presentations. Everybody saw your CV. You didn't get the job, and now you're back as a division director. Right. What will that feel like? And there were people who said, are you sure you want to do that? Well, I mean, think about whenever mm-hmm. they were doing the CEO for AANA before Randy 
when Randy got yeah. the job. I mean, you put your name out there. And people are yeah. going to know you failed. And yeah. that's a hard that's a hard thing to do. But, you know, you mentioned something too, and, and I, I think I've heard Sharon <clears throat> talk about it also, is it's pretty impossible to grow if you aren't willing to take a risk. Right. You right. cannot. You cannot. Right. Nope. You can't. That's right. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, maybe maybe I'm a little too much of a risk taker, but maybe that's why I like anesthesia a little bit too, is you're always on the edge, especially if you're, I guess it doesn't matter if your patient's healthy or not. Is there so right. many things that can go wrong that you've always got to have that you, kind of hypervigilance? You just amaze me, though. I'm just sitting here thinking, we're talking about Sharon running for office, and I will never forget, you drove up from South Carolina yes, from my when kickoff. you had that kickoff party in Lexington at that sure little, did. what was that little uh, The theater. convention center. Yeah. It was like a theater, Lexington. and you were there, and I was like, you drove. You just four drove hours. up to come to this. I know. I was so grateful. And then grateful. you know, you came to the NCANA meeting in Wilmington a couple of years ago. You drove up. I mean, and it's like you're everywhere. You're putting yourself. You're where you want to be. And I mean, that is one thing that sticks out to me about you. You're here today. You know, you've got all this stuff with A and A going on. You got a new job. Lots going on in your life, but you still show up i mean well i mean that's that's what you, you have to do. be present to win Jeremy. There you go. but that's the fun stuff yeah yeah, yeah. that Cause is I, true i have to say being online and not going to meetings yeah. I'm, I'm a people person yeah, yeah i'm an extrovert true. i get that energy from yeah. people mm-hmm. yeah so i'll drive almost anywhere and, and really <laughs> I, I have to say is i mean jen bannock in illinois and sydney and taylor in south dakota felt they've been drivable i would have driven there too yeah and yeah. every crna needs to you know have that engagement and i think what that does is it, it leads you to think that people run even for fear of failure and right. y- you have to you have to take yeah. that first step yeah it's worth it that is true Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Well, let's go back. We've talked about getting your doctorate and we've done several podcasts on that and Sandy and just did one on the doctoral task force that she served on so what kind of impact do you think that it's going to have us going to the doctorate and you know with the academic leadership arena put those two pieces together for us well I think it's two things is there still is a lot of angst about having the doctorate as as a requirement One of the things I'll say is there's uh, physical therapy in my college and us are the only two that require a doctorate. And it kind of stands out. I Mm -hmm. think it stands out as professions that have taken that step. Mm -hmm. They've taken that risk to say, we want our CRNAs to come out. We know we're good practitioners. Our programs put out great people. But now we need to have the ability for CRNAs to take that next step, that next level. They need to know healthcare policy if we want people to run. They need to know how evidence-based practice. I can't say that enough. I had a CRNA come back, and he was in his 60s, mm-hmm. came back and got his doctorate. And, you know, he came because it was the right thing to do as he was moving into a leadership position. And he felt it was a little bit like checking the box. And he said, you know, when I got done, what I recognized is every single thing that I do now, I back it up with evidence every single time. And it makes harder for people to have a, right. an argument against me. So I see the doctorate being that part The other thing that I see is in order to be an academic leadership, you've got to have a degree at Mm -hmm. the same or above others. Right. Mm -hmm. 
that's just how it works. And I think it prepares you for a better, well-rounded leadership experience mm-hmm. to have the doctorate. Um, did I answer that? I kind of went around well, that a little I'll bit, I'll tell you Sharon. what's interesting. No, uh, you answered you did. it. You did. I think you did a great job answering it. Um, you know, I will tell you, when I heard that we were going to the doctorate level, I was dead set against it. I mean, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, I'm not a CRNA. I'm not a healthcare professional. But the first thing that popped in my mind was you're already making a huge financial commitment, all right, to go back to school. Now add another, what, year on to that. And another year of cost associated with that, more student loans and so forth. Here we are, we have a shortage of providers anyway out there. You add another year, you're disincentivizing kids, students, people, whatever, to come back and go to school. But I'll tell you, as this has kind of come to fruition, I've been around it more and more, I think it was probably the best move you could ever make for several reasons, like what you just said. I mean, it teaches you to think differently in difficult situations. And if you're going to move this nurse anesthesia profession forward, then you've got to do things differently. You've got to think differently. You've got to talk differently. You've got to act differently. And if we continued to put out master's level prepared, we weren't doing anything any different. And if you're going to compete in the arena that unfortunately you're having to compete in with, with your MD colleagues, the only way to do that is not by calling yourself doctor. I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is to say, does your argument make sense? And can you mm. prove that argument to me? I'm on your level here. You know, I do what you do. Prove it. And then you back it up with evidence. Mm. And I think that's how our <laughs> arguments have changed over the years. You know, AARP has come out in a lot of states in support of CRNAs. And I have talked to some of the people in leadership. And they said, our messaging has changed within our community, instead of saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, it's more forward-facing. Look at what we bring to the system and backing it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so our messaging has changed yeah. over the years, and it's definitely well, doing and, and to the, well to for Well, and another part of what I thought would happen, and I asked Mike Riker about this, you know, a, a year or two ago, said, are you getting as many students to apply? Oh, yeah. He said, since we've gone to the DMP, it has jumped up dramatically. Wow. Like, wow. Is that the case at MUSC? Same, yep. same We've had thing the there. same thing. Yeah. And, and, and then the they qualities went, of the people. That was the other thing. The, yes. I don't even know if I could get into school anymore. It's amazing how smart they, they are. are. I mean, it's like off the chain smart. Mm-hmm. So, and they're again. a lot. they're a lot like what Sharon was saying, is they're definitely more external facing. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. they come in that way, mm-hmm. which is well, pretty interesting. Well, that's the millennial. Yeah, they're, 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 we talk about. They're volunteers. <laughs> yes. Which I, I love millennials. You know, yeah. I love millennials. They're, they're doing all that, which I think is interesting. And the other part that Sharon, I think it was Sharon who made me think about it, what she said, is we keep track of all our outcomes like every other program director. So right. I keep track of all the CRNAs who go back and get their doctorate oh. to our program. And we don't publicize it that much. I think we have a great program. Right. But we, we keep it kind of small so we can control that. And I look at how many of them have gone on to academic positions. 
chief CRNA positions at independent practices. Mm -hmm. Um, They're published. They're presenting. Dr. Bernadette Johnson, who's from North Carolina, Mm -hmm. presented today, and we just hired her as faculty, which we're really excited, is they are taking what they've learned, just like you, Sharon, and all of those things that you learn in that post-master's DNP, and it gives you opportunities to move up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it does. And we, we can prove it. And it, can puts, it can put you in the C-suite, too. Puts you in the C-suite. Ab- because, Back you know, to your original statement. Yeah. You know, when I look at is uh, my husband, when he got his DNP, it was all kind of a joke, is I got mine and the, uh, where he was working, the guys where they were at, they had a poll going, they had a bet going, that the first time that a piece of mail came to our house that said Dr. Angie and Mr. Steve Mund, <laughs> he would be immediately applying to a doctoral program. First time it happened, he applied and uh, oh went and God. got his doctorate. That so, didn't sound anything like him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I bet so. I think it took a month. It, yeah. it really didn't take much. And, you know, I look at how far he went in the C-suite. And, yeah. and having a doctorate plays a role because it right. puts you on a different level. And even I'm going to disagree with you a little bit as far as the doctoral piece. The title is, I think, in academics, for sure, having a doctorate matters. Yeah. 100%. Sure. Because yep. when they call, my students call me Dr. Mund. And I, even I take a look at in the health policy arena is Dr. Maureen Riley, who is a past president of Avana. I can remember when she testified in front of the U.S. House, which is a great experience, is she was sitting there with physicians and they had her as Ms. O'Reilly. And the congressman addressed her and she said, that's Dr. Riley or Ms. Riley. She said, that's Dr. Riley. She had a mm-hmm. PhD. <clears throat> I'm like, I'm getting one of those wow. doctorates mm-hmm. because they kind of stu- you know, took notice a little bit and they called her Dr. Riley for the whole rest of the testimony that she gave. I think it's a double thing. You prepare yourself, you back it up, yep. and you have the credential to go with yep. it. That those two things together have such synergy. It, I mean, and I think that is very true, but I will tell you, I have talked to so many CRNAs about this issue and they say, if you got a doctorate and you walk in and do this job and I got my master's and do this job... We make the same amount of money. Why do I want to do that? And that's a different mentality from you and Sharon, but it's a mentality that's out there. And, you know, moving forward, you won't have that. I mean, I guess it's kind of like, you know, being a certificate and, you know, then going back and getting your master's type of scenario. Well, but, we've but, been but through you do this hear before. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. going that, through that. Right, exactly. Right. And yeah. it just so, takes some time right. yeah. to get there. And I think we did it the smart way. And you made me think about it with um, talking about Sandy on the doctoral task force is we were smart enough in nurse anesthesia that we spread it out. Yes. We did yeah. We did not make a ridiculous five-year timeline that the nurse practitioners right. kind of did. Or it wasn't the nurse practitioners. And they it was haven't the AAC, done it. It was the AACN. So it was the American, yeah, American College, uh, Colleges uh, of Nursing, yeah. Academy of Colleges of Nursing. So the deans. It was yes. the deans of the nursing programs. They gave themselves such an unattainable timeline that I, we did it right. They just gave up. They just mm. gave up because nobody's done it but us. There yes. you have it. Look, well, CRNAs, you, you know, you, well, you're something leaders. done, you yeah. do it. But yeah. we did it the right way. And it right. made me think also, Jeremy, what you're talking about, Mike, and, and our programs, is if all of our programs transitioned at once, I think we would have seen a problem with applications. I really do. We, see, we would have seen a drop in, in uh, output. Yeah. But we did it over time right? so that we had some transitioning all the time and we gave ourselves a attainable timeline. And to me, as I take a look at some of the programs that are in my department that are going to end up going there, I think PAs are going to at some point. Mm-hmm. I really do. 
um, especially when I've seen some of their their policy movement, is using the things that I've learned from us transitioning and how nurse anesthetists did it very successfully is I see myself as a department chair being able to help some of our our divisions oh, nice. with that same kind it. of transition because yeah. we've been through it. Been through it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Well, you know, I always want to delve into the financial and the money side of it, so that's just me. But, you know, there are other things that matter as well, right, Sharon? <laughs> She's glaring at me over here. <laughs> it's about the money for you. It's about the politics for me. So it, it That's just, why we make a good team. There you go. But, of course, there's money in politics, uh, right? No. Just a little bit, kidding. right? <laughs> <laughs> Quarter of a million dollars uh, against me. So, yes, can. I guess it is. Well, Angie, as we kind of wrap up here, is there anything you want to conclude on or anything that maybe we didn't uh, didn't ask you or any points you want to make? Oh, you know, this has been such a great opportunity. I think we've talked about some things even, you know, outside, outside. Yeah. Of, yeah. of what we originally had. And I love seeing you guys in person. I think that having yeah. the conversation in person makes a difference. What I would say is I, I hope every CRNA out there, students that are coming out, start thinking about how they can serve the profession and get such a great mm career out of it of what you can do in academic leadership we have the ability to influence not only nurse anesthesia but the influence all healthcare providers and that leads to bigger and bigger impact on healthcare systems on health i mean i'm going to go really big um, healthcare in the u.s global healthcare, all of the things right. that you can do as you move up get yourself positioned Anybody who's interested, you can find me on the ANA website or at MUSC. I'd love to have a conversation of things that you can do to do this, to make an impact. It, it's so important, and it is incredibly rewarding. AJ, I got a question for you. Has any student ever walked up to you and said, the I day want after. your job? <laughs> uh, there have been some that are pretty close to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. I like good. it. Good. Yep. That's good. And That's I love good. it. And those are the ones you keep track of, and yeah. they come yeah. back and volunteer to teach yeah. and do all Absolutely. that fun stuff. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the show with us and for the great information as always, your wealth of knowledge and for all you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great seeing you guys. Yeah, oh man. Talk, tell me about it. <laughs> so well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. I think so. Yeah. Well, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help it grow, Sharon, why don't you tell them how they can help us grow? Like us, share us, tell all your friends, but most of all, leave us a review because we've just found out that it pushes us up in the algorithm so that yeah yeah we get noticed more yeah 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 so, but they need to leave us a positive review yeah, if it's negative well, no, there's enough negativity out there Isn't right that the truth email sharon if you got a negative no review. email i mean Jeremy. sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right until next time it's a wrap As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. 
That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call them at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.